Vidic coming forward now. He had two last week. He winds up the left-footed shot. It sneaks into the bottom corner. Headed on in the direction of Kovacic, who scores. Back out to Morris, who sends it in low with deflection. Another save by Neumann. Shot by Matt DeRosa. It's in. Matt DeRosa puts the Terps up 1-0. Elmi has the room. He shoots it in. Maryland has a 1-0 lead on the goal from the senior, Sebastian Elmi. From the far side, comes right back in towards the middle. A header and a goal. And that is the set piece that breaks the deadlock. Padilla with some space outside the left foot. What a strike! Brian Padilla with the outside of the left foot draws this one even. A great dummy by Johnson leaves it for Benderosa. In towards the middle, a header by Cornelli. And Maryland has the lead back. The senior captain on senior day. And that'll do it. Maryland's California dreams have become a reality. For the first time in a decade, the Terps are national champions. Ladies and gentlemen, get on your feet and welcome your Ludwig Lowdown, featuring Brendan Hartlove. Welcome into episode 17 of the Ludwig Lowdown, our Maryland men's soccer podcast here on WMUC Sports Radio. As always, I'm Brendan Hartlove, and I am glad to be back. This is only the third podcast I've been able to get to in this crazy COVID fall semester. But we have a really great interview for you this week. Back on November 22nd, William James Reve, now a junior on the team, announced that he would be leaving the program and leaving soccer altogether. Now, that kind of came as a surprise to a lot of people not familiar with Will's situation, but it had kind of been a long time coming, especially if you look at the injuries he suffered last season. I'm not going to do a ton of setup for this interview. It is a long one. I will be upfront about that, but it's a very important one. So break it up into pieces if you have to, do whatever. But Will and I have a lot of really important conversations. On the last podcast, we had Paul Ben, and he talked about his long battle with depression. Will has also suffered from mental health challenges and depression and anxiety. And he opens up about a lot of that. So it's no secret I've been very passionate about helping these guys tell their stories, especially when it comes to things like mental health. So this is a really special interview again. So without further ado, here is the interview with William James Survey. So now joined by Maryland midfielder forward, kind of played a little bit of everything, uh, William James Survey. Will, thank you so much for taking the time to, to join me today. Oh, man, I'm happy to be here. Um, I can't wait. Can't wait to share. Can't wait to talk. A lot to get into today. As, as if people have been following the team, they know about your decision to, to step away from the program. We will get into that, but there's a lot of things that went into that decision. So let's kind of start with your, your upbringing and kind of how you got into soccer over in France and the path that led you to, to College Park. Oh, man, it's a long story. Um, <laughs> how I got into soccer, I mean, I was just like, you know, a little kid, like everyone. Like I was just having fun, playing with my friends, playing in the streets. Like, you know, nothing was serious. I was just like having fun and people were like, oh, well, like you're a good soccer player. Like, why don't you, why don't you just join a club? And I was like, I don't know, man. I, I don't really want to like, you know, have a coach. I don't really want somebody to tell me how I play. So I was just like, maybe not now. And I was also like good at ping pong. <laughs> really? Like, I was a, I was a good ping pong player when I was younger. And I don't know. I felt like I wanted to be more in ping pong than more than soccer, you know? Interesting. So I remember I just went with my parents and we were going to that huge, like, you know, organization that were like offering um, like places to get into like clubs, like sports and activities. And I was like, mom, like, I want to join a ping pong, uh, ping pong club. 
and she was like okay like let's go see like the schedule and how it works so we go there and the schedule for the ping pong like club did not match my school schedule so my mom was like I don't really feel like that would be a, a good idea so I, I was gutted you know I was like I was like oh man I really want to do ping pong and we just like on the way like we start walking and my mom sees like the my hometown like club like they were there and they had a stand and my mom's like oh well like you're good like you're good at soccer you like soccer like why don't you just go play soccer and I'm like all right like, just let's just go see how how it is and why not so I mean I put my name down and they tell me to come do a trial and I get there and I play my first day and they're like okay like we want you on the team so um I played six years with my hometown um the best years in soccer you know you're just young you just have fun um you just make friends so that was great and um you know like my hometown was like a small like small club like we were good but maybe like third fourth division nothing crazy never played like the highest level until I got um into the academy so I mean I was selected for like the the, the regions like you know the teams and stuff I was doing trials and I did a first trial with a, a D1 team uh, that was named Social, Social Mobilia, and went pretty good. But they told me that I kept the ball too much. You know, like I'm a dribbler, I like to do skills. Um, so they were just like, yeah, we don't know yet. And um, one day, like a, a guy just showed up at like practice and he was like, yo, like I'm a, I'm a recruiter for Valenciennes, um, D2 team. So they were D1, but when I got there, they, they were going back to D2. And he was like, yo, like, just come do a trial as a center back. And I was a midfielder at the time. I was like number six, number 10. And I was like, ooh, like center back? I don't know, man. I'm not, I'm not really like a big defense guy, you know? And he was like, listen, kid, uh, every good number six knows how to play center back. And I was like, well, like you're in a small club. Um, you have like 1% chance to be signed by an academy. If this is the 1%, you have to take it. So I just go there, it's like a three-day trial. Um, and uh, I practice with the team as a center back, first time ever as a center back. Like I've never played that position. I was lost on the field. <laughs> but the coaches saw that I had like good technique and they saw potential. So they're like after two days, they brought me into the office and they were like, yo, Will, like we want to sign you. So best day of my life super happy you know I was just I had no idea this could happen like I may be a second player to ever sign from my hometown club so like they're really proud too um so I signed there three years I do my three years in uh in Valenciennes uh was good at first but I was facing injuries too uh broke my elbow uh, my ankle like multiple times my my hamstring maybe twice so it kind of just like slowed down my my progression you know I was doing really good I was seen as maybe the best player coming in and you know like when you get injured you don't get the number of hours of practice you don't play games so as my coaches would say like an injured player is a useful player and it's true you know if you're not on the field it's like when you play on football manager on <laughs> on your iPad like if your player is injured like you don't really care. You put him, you put him on the bench. You don't even take him at all. So, um, just like yeah, I just lost a lot of time because of injuries. Um, and 
so after my third year that was like when i was like trying to get like maybe like reach the pros like get some practices with the pros and they didn't really give me that chance and they kept telling me like well like don't worry like y'all you'll have your time like just just be patient so i was just like okay like i'll be patient i'll see how it goes and after my third year they offered me like a two-year contract but not professional it was like a semi-professional it was um to play with the reserves and you know like contract wise like yeah so like they're just like yeah just stay there two more years just to see like if you can make it to the pros like don't worry you'll have your chance and i did one year but i was so pissed about um that con that that contract that they gave me because it was not what i was expected that i was already like i i don't think that they really believe in me like i have, still haven't practiced with the pros yet so i just did that year not really happy didn't really like soccer anymore i was like oh, i just want to go home so i was just like and i stopped school too like i took a gap year so it was only like soccer. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. So I was just like ending my first year of that contract. And I was like, man, I don't really want to stay there. Like Valenciennes is not that great of a city. Uh, I kind of live in like a, a tiny ass, uh, a tiny ass room, like nothing, nothing that really made me happy, you know, and no fashion, nothing. So mm -hmm. um, I'm English. So my mom is English. And we saw like this announcement for trials to go to the United States. And I was like, why not? So we got into contact with an agency that worked with um, the US and they got me on a trial. Uh, Scott Buett saw me at that trial. And after that, you know, negotiations, I was, I was like, yeah, like Maryland, best team in the country. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely gonna give it a try. So um, that's it, I just, packed my stuff and took the plane. And that's how I got to the US. Just didn't even think about it. So you didn't even think there wasn't like any kind of, because talking to some of the other guys, they're like, oh, you know, I'm leaving home, leaving everything I've kind of known before that. Was there any kind of apprehension or anxiety or were you just looking at it as like, this is maybe going to be a really great experience? Yeah, not really. I'm not really the type of guy to be like, oh, you know, like I was, I was already not living with my parents. Like when I was in the academy, I would see them like, not that much yeah. so I was already used to living by myself cooking taking care of myself so I'll, I'm not scared of adventures I'm not scared of like new like I took the decision to like I decided to leave like I'm you know I'm not scared like mm -hmm. I was just like will just follow your instinct like just go you know you have nothing to lose you, you'd rather be in the United and the United States was like a dream for me like I we all love the United States back in, in, in France. Like we all want to live there, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, yeah, like they even think about it. I was like, okay, for sure. I'm going. You got to college park and you know, you're part of the team. What was kind of the transition process? Like this new country, you know, new league, I guess, new team, new players. How did you adjust from living in France and only playing there to now being over here in the States in college? I think the, the, the biggest change was uh, the mentality how people on the team would be how people were you know like in i was in an academy where everybody was really selfish you know like the professional world is it's a hard world like this you have to be on top you have to be the best you have to be you don't really care about if the other one plays good or not you're like you want to be the best so i just came in like with a very selfish mindset i was like i'm just coming here like business 
trying to make myself like known, uh, get some good playing time, have a good season, and then like get to the MLS. You know, I was not really coming here to make any friends. I was not really making here to like socialize. I was just like, you know, here like business, really business. I was like, that's that's how my mindset was. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at first it was like weird, you know, like with the teammates, like everybody was like, they had their culture and I had mine. And at first it was really hard like to adapt. But then when I actually got to know like the, my teammates and I really like started making like very good friends and I actually understood like how the mindset and how the culture of Maryland was. So I was like, wow, like I like this. I've never really experienced that and never, nobody has been that friendly with me before. And the competition is like so much more respectful and you know like people respect themselves more and like there's an actual like a real brotherhood here you know so I was just like I was like wow okay like I want to be part of it so I just started like maturing like um, being more open like and I completely changed my mindset and I've made great friends and that's for me like the best part the best side of of, of Maryland. Yeah. And so you got here, you built those relationships with those guys. And then your freshman year went pretty well, you know, all, all things considered. So obviously the season didn't start fantastic. There was, you know, a couple bumps in the road, but just kind of take us through that first year, because like you said, you were still trying to adjust and things like that, but it ended with a national championship. Yeah. It was crazy, man. <laughs> uh, wow. This year, most memorable year in in my life like mm-hmm. I just came in I was hungry like I was hungry to play um I went from a team that didn't really believe in me to like in the team where the coach Sash everybody was like okay like this kid has something and I really felt that that confidence you know so I was just stepping on the field and I knew that I could do something and I could express myself how I wanted I've, I was always a technical player but back in Valenciennes if I did one step over they would stop practice and be like yo Will don't do that Wow. So when I came here and I was able to just express myself, take the ball, dribble, do like fancy stuff, like just to get the crowd going, like that was like stuff that I liked and that's what made me play better. Um, so yeah, freshman year, I just, I was just hungry, man. I was just, I was just trying to show like people what I had, like what I was about, you know, and it worked. Like I had a very good freshman season and I like we got so much closer with the with, like with our teammates too because like you know we went through the hards we went through like the lows we went through the 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 excitement like the victories and we went through everything so um yeah it was a great freshman season um a great win uh national championship the ring like I mean who doesn't who doesn't dream to have like a, a diamond ring with a national <laughs> championship ring so um, that was definitely something that I would have never thought about maybe a year before that. But I mean, when I look back at it, it's definitely like the craziest moment, the craziest thing that has ever happened. So, yeah. When you're on the field, Harder Stadium, Santa Barbara, and you guys are going crazy as the confetti, you're lifting the trophy. Yeah. What was going through your head in those moments? Because you talked about how you were coming from a club that didn't necessarily believe in you. Now you're here, you've developed all these relationships and you're lifting a trophy. What what was kind of going through your head in that moment? It was, I don't know. There was like, I had two feelings. The first feeling was like, forget about everything, just enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. That was like the main feeling. I was like, wow, like, it's crazy. 
I didn't even think about anything else than just like, wow, like I we just won, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm a national champion. I want to enjoy this with my like with my brothers, my 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 teammates. Um, and then like after after all the excitement and like you know all the like the trip back to Maryland and all the, like the partying too because like that was crazy. Um, you know, I just like took time to like sit back and like also like interviews and stuff. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm happy. I'm happy. I I, I got that experience from Valenciennes, um, being into the in tough situations because like it makes my moments of victory like way better. So I was just like, yeah, like you know, I'm not really mad at anything that really happened. I used to be. I'm not really anymore because like I learned a lot and it makes my victory like even better. So, I mean, it, it, it was great, man. Like people from Balenciennes were still following me. And after that championship, like people from France, like really got to explore the college soccer, like college soccer, nobody knew about it before I won it in France. And in France, they started making articles and stuff and people started like sending me messages and they were interested. And I, I feel like it also like, helped people from France in academies that were stuck and didn't know where to go after their three years or four years. Like they kind of like, they were like, Oh wow. Like a French guy just won the national championship. looks like he's having great fun and stuff. And so why not? I want to do that too. So it was just great, man. Like great experience. And so you think, I know we've talked with like Nicholas, Norman, Johannes Bergman, and a lot of the other guys from, from overseas. And that's something that they talked about is now that college soccer in the U.S. is becoming a more viable option for people over in Europe. You would say that it's kind of growing in popularity and as an option for, for some people? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like a lot more players are trying to do the trials now. Mm-hmm. A lot of players from academies are definitely looking looking at this option. Um like the trials, like the agency that do all these trials, like they have so many demands now. Like, yeah, I feel like people in, in Europe and France are really, really looking, looking after uh, maybe trying the U.S. or, you know, because even the college, like, you know, the college degree too is important. And in Europe, if you decide to play soccer, you play soccer, you can't do both. You know, the schedules don't match. So, yeah, people are definitely looking more at college soccer in Europe than they used to be. So you lifted the national championship trophy end of 2018. That was, you went through, came back, celebrated all that. And then you gear up for your sophomore season. And then, you know, it's the first game of the season USF and you pick up that first injury. And then I think it was a couple of weeks later, you came back Northwestern, another injury. And so what was it kind of like before we get to the part about your decision to step away? What was that? one season like you know when you're fighting to come back and as soon as you do it's an it's one step forward two steps back what was going through your head throughout that season i mean honestly this it was horrible um i was already injured the spring before so i was already fighting really hard to get back to um to be ready for that that first game and honestly the summer before we before the, the the beginning of the of the of the season um, mm-hmm. i was feeling at my best i think i was at my peak i felt more confident than ever fitter than ever i was like ready and i was like in my head i was like will don't get injured before the before the season and i remember i was like warming up and i was like okay will you made it like you're not you didn't injure yourself before the the, the first game like now it's just perfect like this is great you're gonna have a great season 
and I felt so good, man, like physically, like in my head, like the best. Even honestly, I felt better than starting my first year. And when I like when that hamstring pulled, like my first question and my first thought was like, why? I don't understand. I have never been that fit before. Um, I haven't had like a muscle injury in in a while. Like, why now? You know, and I was prepared. It was, it was, I don't have no excuse. I don't, I don't know what happened. So it just pulled. And my first thought was like, why? And then I was like, you know what? It's okay. If it's like four or five weeks, like, okay. Like I was sad. Obviously I, I was really sad. Yeah. You know, I was really sad, but I was like, it's okay. The season's not over. The worst one was when I it re-injured against Northwestern. That was when that happened. I don't know. Like my head, I just, I feel like, all my confidence just left, um, lost my identity. I had no idea like why this was happening. Why to me, I was like starting to like blame myself for things that, you know, like for not for anything, I would blame myself for anything. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it just took a lot off my confidence um, of my identity. Like, I don't know. I just, I just went into that dark, dark hole. And then like, that's when like, all started like everything anxiety depression that just that's just that turning point yeah and so i kind of did the same thing with paul because you know i was searching leading up for that for like the perfect question to ask about kind of the mental health part of it and the more and more i thought about it there's not you know one thing that i can really ask that can come close to everything that you had to go through with that so I guess just kind of talk about some of the, the challenges you faced immediately after and just as time went on, because before we, you know, started recording, you were talking about how, you know, that wasn't really a thing over in Europe. And now here you're going through it yourself. And what was that challenge like? Well, the first, I feel like it's like different phases. The first phase was sadness, um, angriness. Uh, I was really angry. I was really sad. Um, I think that's when like the depressed phase was like, I was depressed, like I was really sad. And, but I mean, I was like, it's okay. Like just go through it. So I was just going through, I was just like being more quiet and I was a little tired too, like, you know, physically tired, mentally tired, but it was more like sadness. I was really sad. I feel like what the hardest was also like trying to sh like chase, chase a comeback. I was trying to come back. I didn't want to like miss the entire season. So like work every day, rehabbing every day and waking up every day, being like testing my hamstring. Like, you know, I would wake up, like stretch it to see if it was better, but, and it wouldn't be. So yeah, it was just like a lot of sadness. And then uh, when I came back, you know, I came back in Iona, I think mm -hmm. uh, I played like 15 minutes yep. and it was like, like so good. I was so happy. And I thought I was back, you know, I was like, oh, like, I'm back. I'm going to be able to play the next game against Wake Forest. And I was warming up against Wake Forest and my hamstring was still like, like hurting and uh, my, my knee starting to hurt again. So I was like, oh, like, that's not good. So I, I told the coach and so I didn't play that game. And after that, we decided to do an MRI before uh, December, before I had to go back uh, in December. And I did an MRI and it showed that my meniscus uh, was still like damaged and my cartilage was still damaged too. 
So I had to go through another surgery, like when I would come back in January. So when he announced me that I had to go get surgery for my knee, that's when really like anxiety, just anxiety hit me like a truck. I went back to France and I don't know, I just felt like someone else. Mm -hmm. And I would like just wake up every morning, like started having panic attacks. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, oh my God, like, why am I, why is my heart beating so fast? Like, why am I having like, trouble like breathing? Why do, why do I feel nauseous? Like, I want to throw up all the time. And I would feel nauseous every day. I would wake up nauseous, wouldn't sleep at all. But I didn't know what was going on. So I was just like, oh, I may be sick. You know, I'm a little tired. Like, it's fine. And I got surgery. And I remember before the surgery, like, I was just, like, shaking. Like, they had to give me, like, anxiety pills because, like, I was really, like, panicking. And uh, that's when really, like, my anxiety started, like, getting really bad. Um, the fact of being on crutches, not being able to walk, like, doing the stuff that I usually do, like, seeing people happy, seeing people uh work out seeing people getting better seeing people healthy you know like the environment around you like me having to stay in this environment seeing people happy um also had an impact you know i was happy for them but i was like i want to be like you like i want to be happy too i want to play too um why why am i always the one on this on the side why am i always the one like having to go see doctors having to go do surgeries like, why, why me, you know, like, that's why, that's why I was always asking myself, like, why me? Like, why am I always the one that's not able to be, like, completely healthy? So I started, like, having anxiety without knowing what it was. And um, the worst part was when um, the corona, the COVID, when we all had to be locked down. So, I mean, I was just, like, getting off crutches. I had normal muscle. My, my, my my quads were like tiny, uh, my legs were sticks, like I had no muscle. I was not, I was tired, I was not sleeping that much. Um, and everybody left too, like everybody left. And I couldn't go back because of like, you know, the the rules, like you can, I couldn't go back to France. They were on lockdown too. So I was just like in my room, like having crazy panic attacks. Um, I had to like, I had to like breathing exercises because like I was, it was, I was in a bad place. I was in a dark space. Like all, all I could see was like negativity. Uh, like all my dark sides came out and it really like hit me so hard. Like I had like some bad thoughts, like some negative thoughts. And it's, it, it, it kind of created like physical symptoms too. Um, it it kind of messed up my stomach because you know, like when you're really anxious, all your body like really is like so tight and and like you know like it it kind of it kind of plays on your digestion and for me it created like a huge like digestive problem like every time I'd eat I would have like acid reflux like I would like you know I like, have crazy like my stomach would like keep air and like it'd be horrible like I would be bloated all the time and it would also like play on my mental health because I was like, oh, what's going on? And I also had no idea what was going on like physically. And I just had to see like a ton of doctors, like uh, psychologists, like, like even GI doctors. And they were all like, well, it's anxiety, it's anxiety. And I was like, no, it's not anxiety. Like, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. Like stop saying that I'm crazy. And it was like, well, you're not crazy. It's just anxiety. And then I actually like got to, got to learn after seeing all these doctors and I actually realized that it was anxiety. So yeah, man, like 
like for like maybe a year um, been suffering anxiety depression um i'm not i'm not like ashamed of saying like uh, i had to like take take pills i'm still taking some pills too like you know it's now that i actually realize what i have and i i, I understand my issue like i know that there's, there's no shame in opening up there's no shame in saying what happened there's no shame in like saying i'm how you feel you know so yeah that's that's been kind of what happened and you talked about you did see like some psychologists and the gi doctors and things like that and i know for a lot of people that go through these kinds of things you know you were talking about it's not anxiety it's not anxiety but for a lot of people they don't even go and seek out doctors or help like that so mm -hmm. what kind of led you to accepting that and being willing to go see doctors you maybe didn't accept the diagnosis right away but you were willing to kind of take that step to go and, and talk with some professionals because i was just like if i'm not feeling good mm -hmm. i need to see somebody there's something going on like for me it was more my health like it was not my mental health at first it was my health and when they started saying that it was my mental health too i was like i mean i know that i'm sad i know that i'm depressed but i don't think it's that bad you know like when i was younger and i would hear about people that were depressed like for me depressed was like you know like somebody sitting down on their couch like sleeping all day and drinking beer and you know like that that was the image for me of like a depressed guy so i was like i'm not depressed like okay i'm sad like okay like i feel something's wrong but i don't think like i'm that you know i don't think i'm mm -hmm. depressed i don't think i'm anxious i've never been an anxious guy before so i mean when the doctors started telling me like yeah it's anxiety it's stress then i started realizing why i made research i started reading books i started like learning a lot and that's really really where i was like oh okay like they're right and i actually like that's what's going on and psychologists would tell me like symptoms of anxiety and I had all these symptoms and I was like oh wow like I'm I have anxiety and I have depression and that's where like everything clicked you know like all the problems that I have so I think the the hardest thing and when you suffer anxiety is to accept you have to accept that you're going through it you have to accept that you're sick you're not normal like you're not your normal self and it's hard to accept it you know, you want to be known, you want to be happy, you want to have fun, uh, you want to feel great when you wake up, you want to have a good night's sleep. But you have to accept that it's not like that. And you're suffering, you're sick, you're mentally sick. So the hardest part for me was like to accept it. And now that I've accepted it, it's not easy, but it's easier than it was, you know? Yeah. And when you look back at that season with your injuries, you were not the only one to suffer injuries in that year, you know, Paul Ben tore his ACL first day of preseason. Brian Padilla tore his ACL in the middle of the season. And you guys created a very close bond. When you were going through this stuff, how much did you kind of rely and reach out for those to those guys for support? Well, we, we were already really close. Uh, mm -hmm. Me and Brian have been best friends since we arrived here. Uh, he's the first guy I've ever, ever hung out with. Um, freshmen like me like we would we me and brian have hung out with each other every day since i got here um and paul it's more like we got along because i feel like we have the same values like you know like we just got along so well and i got along really well with paul when i went to uh new york rebels for the summer for the summer league and that's where i got really close with him 
so yeah we were like already really close but the injury really got us closer um i'd say after because paul he left you know like he went back to korea mm-hmm. um me and brian were like injured together so it was it was obviously it's not positive but it was better for us to be together than us being by ourselves yeah. but the thing was in the thing with injuries is that um you can be like you your best friend injured it could help but injuries is personal mm-hmm. it's yourself like you know like he was going through his stuff i was going through mine obviously we were helping each other but at the end of the day like you're by yourself and you're injured you know? so yeah it got we, we got closer and we got like, you know, it, it made our ties like stronger, mm-hmm. but for the actual like injury part, it was, it was kind of personal. It was really personal. The good thing is that we were able to like share the fact that we were close. We were able to share on our feelings. I remember when I started like experiencing anxiety and depression and I actually started feeling that it was really like getting bad. Like I, sh- I sent Paul in a text cause I knew his story whenever y'all made the, his video you know, talking about his entire story, I was next to him on the train. So that was like, you know, I'm watching the video of him saying that he he tried to suicide himself and he was next to me. And I'm like, oh my God, like, well, you know, it's crazy. You can see the video from, from like your apartment, but I was next to the guy. I was next to Paul. Like I was next to my brother and him saying that on video. So I was just like, I remember, I just started crying and I don't cry. I'm really not a guy that cries and you can ask anybody. I don't think anybody has seen me cry except Paul. I think Paul's the only one that has ever seen me cry here. Um, I've cried, I've cried when I saw him, when I saw that video of him sharing and I cried when, when he tore his ACL because I saw this video. So, I mean, yeah, we were really close. So I, I, should, uh, I, I sent um, Paul a text. And he like, you know, he helped me with that. And like Brian was with me like all the time. So we were just like sharing on, on anxiety and on these topics. But um, at the end of the day, it's like personal, like you're, you're alone in your body you're alone alone in your mind. So it, it, it's for me something that I shared, but it's also for me that it's like really personal. Yeah. And you went through all of that and now we're here after the lockdown, after not knowing if you're gonna have a season, everything like that. And then I think it was last week is when you made the Instagram post that you were going to be stepping away from the program and stepping away from soccer. And obviously that is not a easy decision for anybody. So what were kind of some of the, the thoughts and when did those thoughts start creeping in that maybe it is smart for me to step away? Um, well, the thing is that decision was not that hard for me. Really? Yeah, it wasn't that hard because um, during the corona, the corona, like, you know, like when we were all like um, locked down and I went back to Paris, mm-hmm. I stayed three months in Paris. And that's the longest I've ever stayed in Paris in really? seven years. Wow. And I actually like got to ha- have time for myself, enjoy with like friends back home and finally have time with my family. Um, so yeah, I just had like a, I saw like, you know, I saw like my grandparents, I hadn't seen my grandparents in a while. And I was just like, okay, like, this is good for me. Like, I feel good here. Like, obviously the soccer, but as a human, like, as a human that's suffering mental illness, mm-hmm. being home is where I feel like the safest because I have my parents. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like, I feel like home, you know? And so I was already in France and I was like, okay, well, like, you're not healthy right now, but 
you're not going to quit now. Like right now is just not the time for you. I didn't feel like it was my time yet. I was like, Will, you're just going like, to give yourself 100%, get back, and it's going to work out. So I'll just grind it, man. I was like hungry. I would go run. I would go work out by myself um, when I was back home. And I came back here and I continued like treatment. But in my head, I was already like, you know, like, ah, oh, I'm kind of starting to like really get interested in fashion. Uh, maybe soccer isn't something that is really making me happy. You know, I was working out. I was like trying to get stronger, but only because I knew that I had something. You know, I knew that I was good at soccer and I, I knew I could make an impact on the league. And I knew that there was a possibility for me to get drafted. Like, I, you know, I believe in myself. And for me, like, I, I, I could have done something in soccer if I wasn't injured. Um, so, yeah, I was just like kind of losing my passion for so- soccer. I didn't I, st- I, I didn't really watch soccer anymore. Like I was just really interested in fashion. Like, I went back to France like. I didn't even touch a soccer ball. I was just like, you know, going into the city, uh, getting to like, um, like learn more about the fashion industry. And that's where I really like my love for fashion, um, like got bigger. So, I mean, I came back and I was ready to give my, give it all, you know. And unfortunately, um, my, uh, my hamstring, my, my other hamstring pulled in a, in a scrimmage game. So that was the third time. And I mean, I was just like, okay, well, it's just, now it's your time. And I just felt it. And immediately when I left the field, I was like, just look at the field one more time. This is the last time you're stepping on. You know? Yeah, I was just like, oh, I feel it. Like, it's not hard for me. I feel like it's done. I don't have the energy to, to do more. I don't have the energy to go back into the, the treatment room every morning trying to work myself and get back to a level that I won't get back to, you know. And the thing is that not a lot of people know. Um, I also had like a, a MRI on my knee before that because I was not, I was not like cleared for my knee yet. And there was an MRI for my knee maybe a month before this happened. And on the MRI, it showed that some cartilage was still damaged. And me and Ryan Morrison, we went to see the, the surgeon and he was like, Will, you have a 40-year-old man knee right now. You could play a career if you want, but there's maybe like 5% chance that you actually like make a full career. Your knee is damaged. Your cartilage is breaking. Um, Even if you have a career, you will have to play through pain and swelling. Uh, I don't know if you'll be able to like do three games or two games a week. Um, Your knee is, your knee is too damaged. Um, He said, uh, if I had a career, maybe at the age of 30, I would be bone on bone, nor college. I wouldn't be able to walk anymore. I wouldn't be able to run anymore. And I was like, man, like I want to have kids, man. I want to have, I want to have a family. I want to, I want to be healthy. No, I don't want to be like a, a sick guy. I don't want to be an injured guy my entire life. So I took it. I had it in my, I had it in my head. I, I understood everything that he told me, but you know, I just felt like it was not my time. So I just continued. And then when my hamstring pulled, I was like, okay, like this is a sign this is a sign i don't want to continue anymore this is not something that makes me happy you know mm-hmm. the decision was kind of almost made for you a little bit mm-hmm. in some ways with all that it, it was like a last chance you know mm-hmm. it was a last chance and when it pulled again i was like okay that was my last chance 
when you went back to Paris, you talked about getting more into fashion and that's kind of where you're, you're going to go next. So as we kind of turn the page a little bit from soccer into what's next, when did that passion for fashion, pardon the rhyme, that was not intentional, I swear. Um, when did that kind of start with you? Because that's not something that many people get into. Um, I don't know. I feel like I've always had it. Um, I was always that kid that wanted to have like the best pair of sneakers. Uh, I always wanted to be that kid that dressed the best. Um, I was always interested. I feel like I've, I mean, I have like a, not, not an artistic family, but I mean, my grandmother's like a painter. She paints. Um, my mom is pretty artistic. So I just feel like I had that. I was really, I was really about clo like clothing already. I was really, when I was younger, I was already talking about making my own brand. So I feel like I always had it. I was already, when I came in here, I was already like trying to dress well. So I was already interested in it. Um, but my mind was too focused on soccer before for me to actually like put my mind into something else. And when I started getting injured, I actually started like thinking, okay, well, like what else do you like? Like, what else are you passionate about? And the things that I like are music, fashion, and like, you know, all that environment. And I was like, yeah, like fashion is really something that you like. So I just like started like looking video, like runways, uh, the business, starting to like, you know, make research on Lagerfeld and all that. And I was really like, okay, like this is really something that I like. This is really something that I want to do. And even as a soccer player, I wanted to use my platform as a soccer player if ever I became a soccer player to then go back into fashion. I was not planning on doing a career and then becoming a coach and stay into the soccer industry. My goal at the end of the day, I feel like was to get into the fashion industry because I know that being an athlete, you get like a good platform and it could help you like get to reach other goals. And I feel like my main goal was to get into fashion. So when I realized that I was injured and soccer was not gonna make it, I was like, okay, like I can still get into fashion without using um, my soccer platform. Um, I could just go into fashion right now. So I was like, I'm not gonna wait. Um, my major in here in Maryland is not something that is interesting to me. So I was like, why should I lose my time uh, staying here, uh, not being able to play and not really advancing in my in my in my dreams, you know. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna look fashion schools, and that's how I got in. Yeah. So you want to tell us a little bit about that because you just made that you know announcement yesterday that you you got in. Yeah. Um, I was just looking at different fashion schools and what exactly I wanted to do in fashion. If it was design, if it was business, if it was like you know stylist. And I mean, this is the, this great school in Paris, um, which is international that has like plugs in, in LA and New York. Like those are the two cities that I dream to live in. So it just caught my attention and I was like, okay, I'm just going to give them a call. And I called them and the guy was like, oh, like, man, I love your personality. Uh, um, you are passionate about fashion and that's what we're looking for. And you speak English. So he was like, just, you know what, like you have a great profile, just do our, our interview, our test. And if you like pass the test, then you could get into our school. And I was like, okay. So I did the, the test and I got a good grade and they sent me a letter saying that I was accepted. So, I mean, I still have to do all the papers and like it's a private school. So I also have like, you know, to pay and to make sure that my place is secured. But I mean, I'm working on that. My papers are done, transcripts and stuff. So yeah, like, 
in one or two weeks, like everything should be solved and I should be entering my, my fashion school in March. Great. One thing you did talk about before we started is that kind of bringing everything you've been through together. So you talked about how in the fashion industry, mental health is not really something that's that's discussed too much or that prominent. And you talked about maybe wanting to kind of bring those two together. Mm -hmm. What are your kind of thoughts on mental health in the fashion industry now and what you plan to do? Well, if I look at my personality today and what makes my like what makes me me, Mm -hmm. I think that the two things that I can describe myself as like is fashion and mental health. That's what brought me to who I am today. So, I mean, I was just like, you know, I got interested into fashion and I was like just making research. I was just noticing that like fashion, it looked too good. It looked too perfect, you know, like mm -hmm. supermodels, like bling, bling, people having money, everybody looking happy. And I was like, this is impossible. This is impossible that the fashion world is this beautiful. Like every world looks beautiful, but when you actually get into the world, like you actually understood, you understand like all the negative sides too. And I was like, all these supermodels like actually really happy. All these designers actually super, really happy. And then I, I found an interview of a model and she was saying like, oh yeah, like um, uh, it's hard being a model. Like I got depressed because I had to eat uh, like only once a day. Cause I had to like, you know, like it's a lot about imaging. So it's like a lot of pressure. And I actually started realizing that um, mental health was a huge thing in the, in the fashion industry, but people didn't want to talk about it because you don't want to spread negativity, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just, I just want to like, I, I don't want to like, you know, I'm, I'm not thinking about actually like bringing the subject of mental health into fashion. Like I'm right now, I'm nobody in this industry, but mm -hmm. I just feel like people in this industry and just in Europe in general, like need to involve the mental health uh, factor more. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like it's, I feel like this, because fashion is emotions. Fashion is expressing yourself. Fashion is an, is an image. And I am sure a hundred percent that, the fashion designers, models, not all of them are like happy as they show it on the media. And I just, I just, I just like the fact that in fashion, you can express exactly how you feel and who you are. I just want like through my fashion to be able to express like what I feel and how I know other people feel, but won't be able to do it. You know? Yeah. You have always been a very expressive person. You know, you talked there about the fashion and your play on the field. I talked about you had probably the most flair I've ever seen from somebody in college soccer in, in quite a while. So how, where does that, where does that come from? And how does it feel to have like these different outlets for, for that expression in soccer and fashion and music and all those different things coming together? I feel like, I feel like it's my personality. Um, when I grew up, like my, my parents were like really open. They were really strict, but they were really open. So they, they let me express myself through through how I wanted to dress. Like my parents never decided how I would dress. They never told me what music I had to listen. Like all the decisions that I took, everything that I like, I made them by myself like as a very, at a very young age. And then like I started like when I got into the academy and I actually started like living and seeing and experiencing that world of like being dictated by somebody. And for example, like I told you, I was practicing and I would do one step over and the coach would stop practice and 
I didn't like that. I was like, if I'm good at it, why are you not letting me express myself at things that I'm good at instead of like putting me into like a bubble, like into a cage and dictating me what I had to do. So I feel like the fact that I, ex I experienced that, I experienced the fact of being in that cage, being dictated in my movements and how I had to play. Um, even in my style, I remember in the academy, like I would do like a fancy haircut and you know, like coaches wouldn't be happy about it. I would do a line in my hair and they wouldn't be happy about it. If I wore clothes, people like, you know, like they would make fun. Like, I feel like when I was in the academy, I was a little scared to show exactly who I was because I was scared to be judged and everybody is scared to be judged, you know? And when I got to the US and I actually felt that confidence in how I played and how I dress and nobody would really like judge me or make fun. I was like, wow, that's why I like, that's who I am. And that's what I want to be. So I just started like, stop thinking about people's judgments. And I was just like, what makes me happy is to be myself. So I'd rather be myself and be happy than putting myself into a cage. So I just expressed it through my way of playing. And, you know, like I'm, I'm a dribbling guy. I lost a lot of balls, but you have to lose balls. You have to try things in practice. I tried things in practice so I can do them on the field. And I express myself uh, through fashion, through how I, how I dress. Like, you know, it's like, it's not like what I'm doing, like who I am is not an image. Like I'm not trying to be, uh, flashy on the, on the, on the field. Like that's who I am. Like if I was really good at only passing or if I was a great free kick taker, like Brian, like I would only take free kicks. In. But my style is to like play. My style is to be free on the field, like dribble. So the good thing with Sasha and the Maryland program is that they really let myself, like let me express myself. So yeah, it was a, it was great. Before we started, we kind of started talking about the fashions. We transitioned to some of the, what we call the fun stuff, I guess. You talked about how fashion is kind of a very personal reflection of that that individual. So, you know, we were kind of joking about, like, who has the, the best style and stuff like that. But obviously, nobody's style is going to be the same. But have you connected with any of those guys in, in fashion and, and stuff like that on the team? I mean... Like I told you, like we have like a lot of internationals, so everybody brought their own style and their own way of like, like wearing their clothes. And I mean, we have like, like Paul Ben. Paul Ben, he dresses really nice, and I can definitely tell, like you know, how in Korea, Korea they have like good a good sense of style. So I mean, he dresses really good. Um, I mean, Brian, Brian dresses good. I mean, everybody has their style, and I can't just be like, oh, he dresses good, he doesn't dress good. It's, if that's how you want to express yourself, and if that's who you are. And then that's fine with me. Like, then you dress good. You dress good for how, how you want to express yourself. And I mean, I dress good, but that's who I am. So I don't put, I don't put a scale on who like dresses the best. Um, if I had to say other than me who had like a good style, in my opinion, I would say Paul Bain. Mm -hmm. But I think that everybody has their own style and that's why I like so now Paul's growing out the hair a little bit too. The Jesus hair he called, I think, when when he was on. Um, I saw I saw a picture of him the other day, and it's it's coming in. It's it's a lot longer than I than I remembered it before. Um, but so you talked about like in your opinion. So we do like to, you know, throw some guys under the bus occasionally just because it's it's fun and funny. In your opinion, who do you kind of look at and be like, 
we we need to update your wardrobe we need to we need to do some work here is there is there anybody oh uh, definitely yeah definitely <laughs> oh my god i'm gonna throw people under the go bus. for it that's what we're here for okay uh that was that was something that i will always remember always remember when i came to the united states and people the first time people told me okay well we're going out we're going out to the bars mm-hmm. i was like okay like i'm gonna dress nice in paris if you don't dress nice you can't get into the bar huh. so i was like okay so i was just like, okay like cool so i dressed nice put like a nice like jeans nice jordans a, lot, a nice little button up you know like because that's how i'm used to it mm-hmm. like, in france i got i was not accepted in clothes because i was wearing sneakers you know like so I was like, okay, like I, I dress nice and I go meet up, uh, go meet up the teammates and I get into the apartment and I see, I see Eric Masalevich wearing an Inter Milan jersey. And I'm like, what is going on? Are we going out or not? And he was like, yeah, man, like that's how we, that's how we dress here. Like, <laughs> like, you know, like we're going to the bars and I was like, oh, wow. And then I realized that dressing up to go to the bars is not that big of a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So when I saw Masalevich with that Inter Milan jersey, I was like, what's going on? Um, the second one, uh, I mean, David has good style when he wants, but when he doesn't want to have good style, man, this guy, he has like some banana socks and, you know, like some avocado socks and stuff. Like, oh my God, I've <laughs> never seen that in my life. But I mean, that's just his, that's just him, you know, mm-hmm. like, that's just how I you could describe David. Like mm-hmm. he's just funny. Yeah. He's hilarious. So I'm not even shocked when I see <laughs> him wearing avocado stocks. Yeah. Um, who else I could throw under the bus? <laughs> I mean, oh, this one's funny too. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it's bad style. Um, but all the guys on the team that wear Uggs, that's something for me. That's that's a huge no. Who wears Uggs? My God, Ryan, Ryan Bloomberg, um, he, I remember I went to his apartment and he had that pair of Uggs. And I was like, yo, that's that's a ghost shoe. What are you doing? And he was like, nah, bro. Uh, in Australia, everybody oh, yeah. wears Uggs. And I was like, oh, wow. But that for me, that's a huge no. But I mean, Ryan dresses good, but it's just that detail. And I mean, Mikey has some and Brian has some. Like, it always makes me laugh because like that's for that for me is a huge like, um that's a huge fashion mistake but i mean it was funny like this I, I wouldn't criticize their style it was just that that little thing that was funny are they like the tall uggs or are they like a little like what is the are they made for men R- ryan bloomberg's uggs are the actual like girl uggs that really? you know the girls oh, that they yeah. walk on campus those uggs like when they walk like you know when the ugg is like really oh, I like i totally know what you're talking about you it's, know when, it's like right you know in october they, they, they know, start coming out yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know when the uggs like they, they've worn the uggs for like two months and they started like get super like tired and dirty and their feet start coming in like that and the like you know the outsole is just like popping out <laughs> like the, those uggs wow so they're not even good uggs that he has they're just like beat up no i mean no like his are not beaten oh, up oh his like, aren't okay well that's that's uh, better no. but he wear he wears them inside but oh. i mean still i mean i'm sure they're comfy but i mean yeah not 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 my style yeah there's slippers for a reason you don't need to go straight to uggs there's some there's some steps in between that you can take yeah like socks even that'd be better um, yeah just wear slides man <laughs> all right so we we got we got that so we got the best dress what about who's the who would you say is the best singer on the team we talked about music a little bit 
best singer? Yeah. You can say yourself or any of these answers as well. I wish I could say myself, but my singing is awful. <laughs> uh i think we only have like one good singer on the team i think that's paul yeah he's he's been the favorite yeah he's, he has the i mean he's been listening like his youngest his youngest age he's been listening to justin bieber so like this guy you know he's he's been working but yeah i mean i think he's the only one who else has a nice voice uh yeah i don't think anybody else has a nice voice <laughs> What about the oh, I also wanted to say, like yeah. in in uh in the people that dress good, I think I think I have to give credit to Chacon Alejandro. Yeah. Chacon. Um, I have to give him credit. What What does he do? Well, he has like some nice like uh pieces, you know, like not always like great outfits, like but he has like nice pieces, hmm. and I have to give credit. Like, I think I think he he has a good style too. Hmm. Yeah, I forgot so to mention it. There's a it seems like there's a couple guys that are actually not as not as fashion deprived, I guess. Uh, mm -hmm. But who would you say is maybe the worst singer then? Because I feel like there's more options for that one. The worst singer? Yeah. If you had to pick a couple. <laughs> I would have to put myself in there really? for sure. I appreciate yeah. the uh, the honesty. I mean, uh, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to try to do a song anyways, but it's going to be like more like a hip, a hip hop, like mm -hmm. rap thing. Like that's one of my dreams too. I want to have a song, but I'm going to do that back in French, you know, just to laugh. Like, yeah. Just, just, just for a laugh with friends. But um, the worst thing is, for sure, like me, David. Oh my God, David! <laughs> when he hits that high note, uh, that's terrible. Uh, uh, Johannes, back, back in the times, that guy had an awful voice. Honestly, <laughs> uh, I think we are pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I think, I think um, Isaac, Isaac can rap. Danny, Isaac. I mean, I don't know if he can actually rap, but like, I mean, he's got bars, I think. Yeah. So I'm gonna give credit to Isaac. All right. Not not in terms of singing, though. I'm sure his singing is awful. <laughs> he's got he's got like a, a good a good uh, a good he has like good knowledge in 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 rap. I respect that. What about the other one? Is if you had to sing a duet with somebody on the team, who would sing the duet with you? If you're doing like karaoke, who would sing it with you, and what song would you do? I mean, I wouldn't do it with Paul because if I had to do a karaoke with Paul, He'd then you he up. would just take because he, 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 he would just take, you know, he would take all the credit. Like people would just look at him and forget about me. And I would feel like I would feel awful yeah. next to Paul. Um, if I had to do a if I had to do a duet with someone. Oh, my God. Maybe maybe I would hop. I would hop on a song with Marcus just singing French, yeah. maybe with Marcus. Which is like a nice French song, you know? Yeah, I respect that. No, not many people would know what you're saying, so they don't know if you got the words right or not. So, I, at, at least, at least it doesn't look like I, I, I'm singing bad. You know? That's true. That's a very good point. Um, what, what about like movies and TV? What would you say are probably like your favorite things to watch? Uh, like my favorite movie? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, with the boys, we've been watching a lot of movies. And we have a lot of jokes because of these movies. Um, <laughs> I think I think yeah. Ryan Bloomberg has like some great advices in movies. So okay, all the movies that he tells us to watch, we watch them, and they're like usually really good. Um, definitely the best movie we've all watched, and that's a legendary movie in the Maryland soccer team, is definitely The Wolf of Wall Street. Ah, that movie is legendary. Mm -hmm. um, the Wolf of Wall Street. Um, that's a great movie. I watched. I actually watched Aquaman yesterday, and that was a crazy movie. Really, I see like. You haven't seen Aquaman, mm. you have to watch. Hmm. Definitely like my top two superheroes now. 
So yeah, I mean, I like I like a lot of movies. I like um, Whiplash. I don't know if you've seen Whiplash. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good movie that Ryan um, uh, advised, and that's a great movie. Hmm. I'm getting a lot of movie recommendations for you guys because it sounds like I haven't seen any movies, but Paul is like, you need to watch Lord of the Rings. Like the next time I see you, like you have to watch. Well, I've never seen that. I haven't. I've never seen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think I'll be a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan of like those type of movies. Yeah. I'm I'm a huge fan of like, you know, like true stories, Hmm. true story movies and documentaries like based on true stories that's that's my go-to I'd say out of those what what are probably some of your favorite either like true stories or documentaries um I'd say I'd say American Sniper is really that's a really I have seen that one that is good American Sniper is really good uh there's uh, that documentary you know the five kids that uh was sent to jail uh, for no reason, uh, you know, the five kids in Central Park, uh, let us see us sometimes if they see us. Yeah, I think I have heard of that. That was based on a true story. And that was great. That was, you know, like pretty intense. Um, what other movie based on a true story? Man, there's so many. Yeah. Uh, this is a very French movie. It's a French movie, but it became like famous, like internationally. So in France, the, the name of the movie is, I don't remember, but you know it's that um it's that old guy that's like in a wheelchair and he he hires a a guy from the ghetto to help him and then they start having like like extreme fun yeah and they share like both cultures and at the end of the day like they become like great friends yeah I think I have heard of that the name um, but yeah that was a great movie based on a true story too what about like TV shows do you is it mainly movies you watch or is there any any TV shows or Netflix um, I like I'm 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 not gonna lie I like reality TV shows really what do you what do you, what makes, do you watch it makes me it makes me laugh um, <laughs> I mean I still watch some in France like we have like great reality TV shows in France but I watched uh, The Bachelor mm-hmm. I watched The Bachelor that was fun mm-hmm. it was funny um <laughs> So you watch it and for I the watch, humor of, of like making fun of it and stuff like that, not actually like. I mean, I mean, it makes yeah, it makes I'm, me laugh. Yeah, no, like I'm it's something well. that I enjoy watching. Like, you know, like uh, some people don't. Some people think they're stupid. I, th- I think they're stupid, but stupid things make me laugh. No, so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what would you say is maybe the, like the most interesting place you've traveled? Just a- anywhere out in the world or anywhere in the country, internationally, anything like that. My favorite place I've traveled yeah. yet is definitely LA. Okay. I've always been a huge fan of LA and I went there last summer with my family. And obviously I did all the like, you know, the touristy like tourist stuff, but um I just felt the vibe. Like the vibe on the West Coast is just something that I like. Everybody's just so chill and um it's something that yeah. LA was definitely a place that I loved. Uh, you know, the beach, like surfing and all that. That was cool. Um, I like New York. I love New York, especially like the fashion over there. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, a little busy though, but I mean, I'm from Paris, so it's fine. Yeah. But there's something crazy about this city, New York. It never sleeps. New York never sleeps. Like, I'll be trying to fall asleep like 2 a.m. and that guy, like, be like, you know, constructions and stuff. Like, they just don't sleep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, New York was great. But, I mean, I've been to many places like Corsica, like great little islands, you know, like nice water. Um, Italy, I've been to Italy. Italy's cool. Very nice. And uh, yeah. Hmm. 
So one big talking point that a lot of the guys have had, and it's hit or miss with some people, is video games and, you know, playing against each other and stuff. Last year, the big one was Fortnite or two years ago, whatever it is now. That was a big one. Were you ever involved in any of the, the Fortnite play? I mean, I, I, I started playing during COVID okay. because I was really, I was really bored. Oh, I never really got to a good level. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if you had to pick a teammate to play Fortnite, like, don't pick me. You know? I'm, I'm fine watching. Yeah. I'm fine. Like, cool with me, you know? Um, but I mean, I, I, can, I can play. I'm not good at it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know how to play. Oh, I might be, I, I might finish like a, I might do a top one, like a victory Royale, like mm-hmm. once every two years, but. Yeah. yeah, I can play. I'm not great at it. I think this year the the main games have been like maybe I mean it's been like here mm-hmm. in in my apartment I'd say like Call of Duty or, or Fortnite. Yeah. Yeah. What about I know FIFA was a big one that they would you know some of the guys play against each other. Were you ever involved in in that? Yeah, um, we do tournaments here. Okay. Um, I'm not the best. I I can play. I'm not the best. Who's um, your team in FIFA? PSG. Yeah. yeah. Solid. Obviously, <laughs> PSG could, for could sure. guess that one. I'm, I'm actually really good at one game, uh, Rocket League. I don't know if you know Rocket yeah, League. Yeah, yeah, I'm good at Rocket League. I didn't, right. I didn't know I was gonna be good at this game, and I played like, I played like a couple times, and I'm actually pretty good at Cause, it. Because so. you like look at it as a game, and you're like, it's cars playing soccer, like yeah, in the air. Weird. Like, how does that work? But then you play it, and you're like, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah, it's <laughs> weird. Like I was looking at like David playing, yeah. and I was like, what the hell is this game? <laughs> I played it and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm actually, I'm actually okay," yeah. you know. So I mean, it's it's always better when you're good at a game. I'm I'm I would say that I'm decent in Call of Duty. Like I used to be really good when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm starting to play like again. So I mean, yeah, I'm okay. I'm not the best. What we normally end with each time is just kind of like, is there any like inside joke or anything that's happened that like you guys tease each other about that we can safely say on the podcast um that you know you just kind of want to put out there i think it's fine if not because i know sometimes you just want to keep these behind closed doors but there's always been like so many good stories that came out like i think eli somebody told me once that they were at eli's apartment for no reason whatsoever eric matzlovich stood up on the counter took a bite out of a stick of butter and that was just just weird things like I yeah, you had the same face. I, I was not there. Yeah, this this might have been a while ago. But just anything kind of crazy or funny that that's gone on that you, you want to share? Honestly, man, like inside jokes, like jokes, we joke all the time. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many. I'm gonna pick like a few, sure. but there's like I feel like my life here in America has been like jokes only, <laughs> only jokes. Like it's the team I've joked around with like the most. Like we laugh all day. Like my apartment, like we laugh all day. Like is yeah so many jokes like you know we we make fun of each other but in a nice way but i feel like the the jokes that we do the most is like um you know like for example we watch like a nice video like a funny video on youtube and it just makes us laugh so we just like like you know imitate it all the time like we've seen that it's that video of um of a guy in england so you know how they do like freestyles like mm-hmm. um fire, it's called like fire in the booth and it's that funny guy. His name is RS. And he's like, you know, he's a little, he's like, I don't know. He's funny. He's super funny. And he has that super funny accent where he's like, instead of like saying, listen, he would say like, listen, listen, <laughs> are you listening? So like he just like raps like that. And he's like so bad at rapping. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it geeks. It's so funny. So we just like, you know, for example, I mean, it's, 
I don't think it's a good thing because we're starting to say those words like way too much. And I may be getting a little dumb now, but uh, we'll be saying, we'll, we'll just be saying like, yo, listen, listen. Or, I mean, I feel like it's like language too. Mm-hmm. We, we have a lot of fun with language. Like we give ourselves like nicknames, a lot of nicknames. Um, we call ourselves like boss, boss man from uh, a YouTube video. I don't know if you know, like Ed Bassmaster. That was a huge thing yeah. freshman year. Yeah, yeah, big, big fan of Ed Bassmaster. This guy is too funny. Um, we used to, we used to, we try, we actually like tried doing some of his pranks with like Vin, Vinny and Brian. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember. Oh Vinny. yeah, we would have so much fun with um, with that. And uh, yeah, it's like mainly like videos. Even like the Wolf of Wall Street. Like we've laughed so much on the Wolf of Wall Street. Um, so yeah, it's more like language. Like we, I feel like we actually invented the language. I'm not gonna lie. People are starting to say boss everywhere now. Uh, my girlfriend be call, calling me boss. Like we call like the trainers boss. Everybody is starting to call themselves boss now. So I feel like in terms of language, we actually like maybe created a language like the Maryland soccer language. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So that's all I had. Is there any closing thoughts or, you know, anything, anything else before we get out of here? Well, no, man. Like if people want to reach out to talk about um, like, in, like mental health, like I'm here, uh, I've experienced it. I'm still experiencing it. So, I mean, I'm here. If you want to share, if you want to talk, uh, I don't mind sharing my, my stories. Um, if people are like interested in fashion too, and, they 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 want to see and they want to follow like i'm going to be posting a lot on instagram like i want to share my experience i want to share my new world too so if people are interested in like sharing with me or like talking or you know like i'm i'm there like i'll never i'll never ignore somebody that wants to talk about mental health that wants to share i'll never ignore anybody that, that wants to talk like even soccer if you want to talk soccer it's not because i'm not going to be in soccer in the soccer world anymore that I'm not going to be interested. I'm going to be following the Maryland team. I'm still going to be, you know, like soccer is a huge like part of my life. So, I mean, if people like feel like they want to share and they want to, they need somebody to like talk to, like I'm there, I'm open. Um, I don't judge anybody. So yeah, I just want to like, you know, let people know that they're not alone. And um, so many of us are experiencing this and so many have experienced it. Um, yeah, I just want to know, spread positivity and make sure that people like, um, like feel like they know that even if they don't feel good, like it's going to end at one point. No, it's not forever. You're not going to feel bad forever and you're not going to be sad forever. So um, everything happens for a reason. Uh, that's what my mom always used to tell me. And uh, um, Yeah, I'm just open to people that want to share um, if they want to talk. Yeah. I'm, I'm there, you know, like I'm open. Great. That's one thing, you know, talking with Paul and you that I have a lot of respect for you guys, because it's not an easy thing to talk about and, and to be so, so public with. And so, you know, both of you and, you know, some of the other guys have been very open with your struggles with mental health and injuries and just all the stuff you guys have gone through. So I, I commend you guys for, for having those difficult conversations. I mean, I, I'm, I have no shame. Like I even have a, I did a tattoo actually. I have a very meaningful tattoo that I got my last tattoo, which is like, it represents what I've been, what I went through with anxiety. So, you know, like, you know, how I, I like to express myself. I wasn't scared of expressing myself and, 
just like putting on my body like this part of my life like I literally got a tattoo that helps me also like through my 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 anxiety like so yeah like I'm I'm just I'm I'm open about it I wasn't at first because I didn't want people to think that I was weak but yeah now I'm I'm really open I, I don't have no problems in talking about it and it's like it's a normal thing like it happens so yeah well, I want to thank you for sharing everything you've been through and, and thank you so much for your time. No problem, man. Like, honestly, it's, it's been an honor to, to to do this podcast and talk and share with you. And uh, uh, thank you for everything that you've done. You, you do an incredible job, uh, even with the, like, the Maryland soccer team, like the sports, like your commentating is great. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, thank you for, thank you for this, uh, this time. And uh, I mean, I'm sure we'll have time to like, talk after and i mean we'll stay in contact so absolutely thank you very much so again i want to thank will for his time and for his honesty you know these are not easy things to talk about so the fact that these guys have been able to open up on the podcast and allow themselves to be vulnerable i i have a lot of respect for them so there's a lot of other maryland soccer news and updates and things and we'll get to that in a different podcast i wanted to let this one stand by itself and just kind of tell Will's story because as you heard, he has been through a lot. So we're going to continue to do this. We'll continue to provide updates as the hopeful spring season approaches. No news on that for now, but we will certainly update you soon. That'll do it for episode 17 of the Ludwig Lowdown. Thank you for listening right here on WMUC Sports Radio, your Terps, your station. Thanks for listening to the Ludwig Lowdown. We hope to have you right back here for the next edition with your host, Brendan Hartlove. Thanks, everybody, and go Terps!